We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me. I'm verified. Go ahead and do that. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. Chris. Colt McCoy, man. Colt McCoy. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Colt McCoy came in here and beat the Seahawks, man. You guys already know the the, the particulars. The Seahawks lost 17-12 to 12 to the Giants, led by Colt McCoy. How dare they let Colt McCoy come in here to Lumen Field, the Lou. Let him come in here and win a game with throwing for 105 yards and a touchdown. And a pick with a passer rating of 67-4. I mean, I know it wasn't Colt McCoy that got the win. It was really this brother named Wayne Goldman who, Jesus Christ, his numbers were crazy. But, Chris, what the hell did we just watch today? We watched a team that is leading in the NFC East not back down from a challenge. Oh, I, was, re- I was like, where are you going with this? Okay, I got We got to remember that this is still an NFL team. They're not afraid of anybody. I mean, we saw the. Com- I mean, you might have heard or read some of the comments that some of these players on the Giants had coming in. They relished the challenge. They knew Seattle had a g- elite, one of the top offenses in the NFL, and they were ready for the challenge. And they literally showed that. You look at the first half score; it was five to nothing. You would have thought the Mariners were playing. As a matter of fact, the <laughs> broadcast mentioned the Mariners. I mean, the Seahawks are up five zero. Oh, that's funny. Or, I, I mean, it's crazy what we witnessed, but I will say I'm not that surprised. Really? Yeah, because I remember earlier on in the year when we looked at the schedule and you saw these games where it's the Giants, the Jets, the Washington football team. I said there's a possibility they lose one of those games. I didn't think the Jets would be winless. I'll tell you that much. But I also believe that the Seahawks just have that in their DNA where, unfortunately, they just drop a game that they should win. And it sucks 
because they do it every year, it seems as if. And you can't have that. It's got to be focused week in and week out. Look at what the Chiefs are doing. Well, yeah, that, that, be, game, that game's not over yet. But No, I'm, I ain't even talking about tonight. Oh, okay. I'm just saying in general. Like, sure, teams will play them close, but they find a way to win. And we saw it back-to-back weeks with the Chiefs. They get it done. The Seahawks have to figure out ways to get it done. You have a minute and change left to go down and win the game. Russ got to put on the MVP cap and go handle business. He wants to get a vote. You got to beat these teams. You got to show that you guys are disrespecting me. Yeah, our offense is struggling, but it's win time and it's Russ time. You name your son win, and you didn't go out and get a win. You oh. had an opportunity. Oh, man. He did, did he not have an opportunity to go out and win? Oh, yeah, no, 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 for sure. I'm with you. Go he ahead, had go the ahead. opportunity to win, and they didn't get it done. He got sacked, held the ball too long. People being open, oh, I missed them. Come on, Russ. Tired of the cliches of, oh, you know, next game. What? You played the Giants, bro. They were four and seven. Four and seven. With a bad defense. The record's a little bit irrelevant. The, the, the defense is bad. Not to mention backup quarterback in the game, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy outplayed you today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, sure. He didn't outplay him. He, but he, I wouldn't go that far. I'll put it this way. Who's walking out of there with a W? Colt McCoy and the Giants. No, yeah, no. That's, that's for, I, mean, I mean, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Come on, Russ. Yeah, he these was are, These he wasn't are the great. games you got to win, man. And it's crazy to say that these are the games you got to win, but damn. <laughs> doesn't that make a little sense? You beat the weak teams. You, face it, you go up against the Rams, and it's a battle, and you come out on top in that game. You got to figure out a way to win, Russ. And on Sunday, he didn't he didn't get it done. They had the opportunity. It just didn't go his way. Uh, yeah, no, definitely had a chance. Uh, I think I asked everybody with like a minute and some change left. Like two timeouts. <laughs> yeah, everybody feeling. I got to go read some of the replies. Uh, most of them weren't feeling great, actually. It was mostly people who were like outside of Seattle who were like, no, nah, they got rest. They'll be fine. Which is kind of how I felt, too. Honestly, thought, sense. I thought they were going to go down um, and win the game. It was, I think everybody did. I'm, I'm on the same bandwagon. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I thought. Here, here's the thing. The Seahawks right now are fifth in the NFC, right? So for most people, not most, and I, I try not to make Twitter be my only basis of talking to fans, but I, I do think that there was enough enough like conversation in my mentions and things like, even talking to people too, not just on social media, that like getting the five seed is a more advantageous road in the postseason because you know, you're going to play one of those crappy NFC East teams, even if you're playing on the road, um, just like last year. right? Like the it, Eagles. Yeah, yeah it, it was a very similar situation. And just like last year, I thought that was incredibly foolish uh, for anyone to consider. And I think this game is a good time to explain why. It's foolish for a couple reasons. But one, like you mentioned, it's still an NFL team, right? Like you can lose to any team on any day. Like that's just a thing. It can happen. Seattle should know they won a playoff game at 7-9. and nine. Right and beat oh, yeah. they beat. I'm pretty sure yeah. the defending champs. I'm pretty sure they, uh, the Saints were the defending, Saints, yeah. the defending champs that year. Beat them, right? Like it, it can happen. It can be done. Um, so you just can't ignore that part. The other thing here is if you are if you're a team who can in theory compete for the one, the two, or the three seed, right? Like the Seahawks can. Like coming in this game, they were like they're scoreboard watching all New Orleans games to see if New Orleans trips up. Uh, they're watching Green Bay stuff, whatever. If you're that type of team. And you end up falling to the five, something went wrong. Right? Even if the uh, the wild card game that you're going to get is a, more in your favor, you have to acknowledge the process that got you there. Like if you're a team that's in the two seed, and all of a sudden by the end of the year you're the five, okay, well you you messed up. Yeah. Either you either you beat 
There's two options there. Either you lost to a team you shouldn't have, right, which Seattle just did, or um, you lost to the type of team that you will play in the postseason. Like, let's say they beat all these crappy teams on their schedule and lost to the Rams, right, and they end up at the five. It's like, oh, okay, well, we get to play at the Giants. Well, okay, but you also lost to the type of Rams team that you're going to have to beat in the postseason, right? So it it's it's a lot of focus on the result and not the process that gets you there. You end up at the five, you, you, you're you not a good team <laughs> most of the time. You're not at least a good enough team to get the Super Bowl, right? The teams who get the one and two and the three, they got those for a reason because they are better than you. They're like, that's a problem. Of course, Seahawks get hot in the postseason. It's possible, but... My point being is you can't just say, oh, let's just play the wild card team in, in the first round, the NFC team, because they stink. That's an easier path. No, man, because if, you, if you're there, you, you probably messed up, which the Seahawks did, losing to a team that had still has a negative point differential, has a losing record, has an offense that didn't have its its uh, franchise player, quote-unquote, I don't know what to call Daniel Jones. Starting quarterback. Yeah, you're starting there you quarterback. There you go. There you go. Um, didn't have – you know, a, a reliable Saquon Barkley. Uh, I don't think I really don't think that they need Saquon. I, I think this was also a good example of that. Like, oh, I think it's teams, all Wayne. <laughs> team, yeah, teams can get by as long as your run blocking is relatively consistent. You don't need a superstar to have a good run game, as we saw today. I think Wayne Gottman's a fourth round pick. Um, but either way, they didn't have their quarterback. Most teams, if you take their quarterback off of them, they stink. Most teams except for the saints apparently um who just i swear they're gonna be like undefeated they're gonna be like 10 and 0 without drew Brees last Crazy. couple of years which is just wild um but also this team didn't have a good defense either and the problem today was the offense or the seahawks the defense was fine 17 points um the run defense was, was trash that's a problem um got cooked today Whew. but ultimately if you give up 17 points you should win the game that's just general rule you look at the average the seahawks were averaging 30 point 30 plus points coming in yeah, that's they gonna, should that's have gonna take a hit. That average. Oh yeah, but especially with the the output they had today of twelve points. You're right; it's gonna take a huge hit. And the offense only scored ten of those. Um, so True. That's, yeah, it's even worse. So, um, and that should be taken into account when you're looking Special at like, teams. offensive <laughs> numbers. Yeah. So, um, the defense was fine. We're gonna focus on the offense today. This def- this uh, Seahawks offense was just hot, hot garbage, and it really shows you why that mindset of like, yo. These matchups favor us. Let's let's if we get the five, it's whatever. No, man. I understand like the the general theme of that argument, um, and I'm focusing on that argument because I think it's important to talk about the playoff picture here, um, because this team is obviously going to make the playoffs unless they lose to the Jets. Then they're screwed. Um, but this team's gonna make the playoffs. But it's about it's not about making it. This team, when you have Russell, like making the playoffs is the bare minimum. It's about going further than that. Like you, how far how far can you get? And if you're end up if you're a team who's floating around the five, the six, or I mean, shoot, maybe even the seven, probably not. But you never know. Like you're just not a good enough team to get to where you want to be. Like big picture, we'll get into the the details of this game in particular here pretty soon. But take I want to take a big picture for a second here. Like a five seed Seahawks team is is not going to win a Super Bowl. Just letting you know. There's a six-seed Seahawks team. There's a seven-seed Seahawks team. They need to perform in the regular season like a team who can get the one of the two. Well, not the one because Taysom Hill's got that locked up. But they need to perform like a team that can get the two of the three so we can even have those type of discussions. Because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, when the last time the five-seed ran a table like that? You don't got to answer that, Chris. Someone will look it's it up. It's been a long I time, I think. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to do. Right? And I know the two-seed um, – has to play in the wild card round so the two seed is devalued i understand that guys trust me i understand i get it 
you really don't think you, you're afraid of the seven. You think the seven will be a good team like Arizona or whoever. I mean, shoot, the seven who right now is Vikings? Yeah. So um, I get it. Some of those matchups in the two the two seven matchup or the three six matchup seem a little bit more daunting. But you gotta understand if you're the two or the three, that means you're a good team. It does. The Seahawks right now, they're they're not a bad team. Seahawks are a good team, but they're they've only had what, Chris, how many games where the defense has played well and offense has played well? What, one? Two? Damn, I think it's only it might be one, bro. I I, I think I, I loosely would say two. Give me the Dolphins game. That was the only game I was really thinking of, where they both were on, in sync, and it was that was a good victory. I th- and I think um, I'll, I'll give them the second Arizona game too. Um, I know it was tw- solid. Twenty-one points is not like super great, but I felt good about when I watched the defense. I was like, okay, they're back. You know, they, they gave up a touchdown on busted coverage. I'm pretty sure that was on Jamal. I have to go back and look uh, on the Chase Edmonds touchdown. But overall, I, I left the Arizona game that night thinking. All right, cool. The ship has been righted. Like, I got it. Other than that game and the Miami game, I'm like, hmm, can't get a team that can put both sides of the ball clicking at the same time? Problem. Right? Even if they'd have won this game, I'd have still not felt, like, super oh, great man. Yeah. about it. Like, if Russ would have pulled off some magic down the stretch, I'd have still walked away like, hmm, you guys are cutting it close there, buddy. Like, you, needed two fourth, you need two fourth-quarter uh, touchdown drives to beat this, this Giants team. And, yeah, it's not just their record again. It's the, the defense was not good. It's turned around. You mean the really? offense? No, I'm saying the Giants' defense. Is oh, okay, good. I see. Because then the record, it's like, oh, we lost to a four and seven Giants team. Well, the defense kind of played. They played them well enough, right? It was the offense who I, I think the Giants are ranked like 25th in DVOA. Um, come on, man, you can't have that. I don't care who's on their damn front line. I don't care if you're playing with your fourth string right tackle, which they were. That's 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 rough. That is rough. I will I will admit that. But hey, man, you out there, you getting paid, you got to play. Right? That's just you know. Get it done. Uh, so I think the big picture of this is really troubling. I don't think it's time to overreact like uh, I'm getting now. Like some, some, I always get questions about Fire and Pete. Uh, I'm even getting some stuff about like trading Russell. I mean, not from people who matter, but like those are the type of overreactions um, we're getting right now. And I wouldn't go that far. But it's these type of performances that you should think about when you're gauging how far this team can go. Because, Chris, this looks like a what? A divisional round exit type of team right now? It's looking similar to what we've seen the last few seasons where they win the wild card game and they're out the next. And even if they – and that's if you win the wild card because right now, Chris, they'd have to play the Giants again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no telling what could happen. They could lose the Giants again because guess who's back? Daniel Jones. And you know what? Maybe he plays a lot better. He doesn't have any turnovers. We saw what Josh Allen was able to do. We were thinking – He's going to give the Seahawks the ball one time. He went out there and was like, psych. You saw him do the finger roll, leap into the end zone. He was feeling himself. Yeah, if, he, then, if you can't turn Josh Allen over, you ain't turning nobody over. And but, then not to mention Colt McCoy, the only reason why the Seahawks got an interception is because Evan Ingram dropped the ball. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, a lot of turnovers are, are fluky like that. Fluky, too. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tips and overthrows, right? That's that's what that's what happens in, in the end. I mean, this, the Seahawks had one today, like it. Ball hit Chris Carson's hands and then interception. He 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 goes he goes right uh, and then excuse me yeah it ends up being a play that's not really Russ's fault or even the pick six Russ threw against the Patriots it's like that ain't Russ's fault. Uh, Russ did have some bad plays which we'll get into here in this kind of oh, whole next tough sec. We got so many questions here. We're just gonna the questions that you guys ask are really good and it'll cover most of the game today. So that's why we kind of started more big picture today because that's that's what we should do. It's December when you lose in December, that's a problem. 
Yeah, it's crunch right. time. And you, it starts to look at those scenarios for the playoffs, and this team is not playing. This is this this looks more like a five seed ish type of team right now with the way the offense is being inconsistent which is like a that's probably what 10 11 wins probably which is like good double digit wins means you're a pretty good team but pretty good is pretty good teams don't usually win the super bowl yeah you gotta be great or good yeah good or great now, you'd be me. really good or great it'd be really good there's some really good teams that make it. like the 2017 eagles were really good they weren't great uh, but and, they got there and they got it done and if you guys read mike's preview to the game and what the x factors and the prediction of the score had the Seahawks handled business, this discussion would be completely different. 34, I think you said 34-14, 31-14? Something like that. I, th- I thought they would handle them pretty pretty well. I think everyone did, Mike. I didn't think the offense would be would, would struggle this much. I guess we should shout out the pass rush, though, real quick, too. I think, what, Jamal's on, on pace to break the sack record for a defensive back. Uh, ben Samioa got another one. Pass rush is there. The defense was fine, man. Yeah, you've already said it. The defense played extremely well. I mean, they did what they were supposed to well do. Well enough. Like, yeah. They, All you had to do was score offense, and they didn't get it done. Yeah, you shouldn't give up a buck thirty-five on the ground to anyone. I don't care if it's Saquon or whoever. Like that part is an issue. Um, but again, bottom line, seventeen points in a in a game against that type of team, Seattle should win. I think. I mean, they even held up on some of the turnovers uh, as well. Like I think after Chris Carson's drop that led to a pick, I think they went like three yards or something. Like they ended up kicking a field goal because they're already in field goal range. Yeah, you know, like the defense held up and the defense when the defense needed to get the offense the ball back, they did. In the fourth quarter, like they did their part. Like I, I know that some guys are probably mad about the run fits and stuff, and you should be. That's a lot of yards. But overall, if you tell me, hey, yo, Mike, the Seahawks are only going to give up 17 points against the Giants, I'm like, cool, yeah, no, they should win. Yeah, they should win. And they did not. So let's 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 talk about this offense because uh, who we got on the first question front. Well, the first question is actually, don't really want to talk about the Hawks after that. So how did we meet? <laughs> That's funny as hell. Uh, at Let's see a, if Mike remembers. No, I remember. It was at a. Oh, he uh, does. Good memory. At a, we were, I was like thirteen, or we both thirteen. It was a summer program Leap. from it, it, for kids going from eighth grade to ninth grade called Leap. It's an acronym. Is it L A E P? L E E L E E P. Yep. Two E's. And uh, I forget how we even get in the program, but I remember doing it. And yeah, met Chris. Chris had corn rolls at the time. Uh, Lakeside Educational Enrichment Program. Boom. Leap. That's what it's called. Uh, Chris had cornrows at the time. We were both probably around like 5'2", 5'3". And I remember Chris could freaking fly out of the gym. He could... I pre- could you dunk back then? I Every now and then on a good day, yeah. Yeah. So, but... Uh, yeah, that's a fun question. I don't know who asked that. We don't got to get to it. We, we got, do got to get into the game. But that's a fun question. So, yes. Yeah, so yeah, we met in what? 2006? Pretty yeah. sure that would have been? Yeah. Both yeah. went to Wazoo eventually. But yes, that's the meeting point. Good cut. That's a fun question. That's why I started with it. That's now fun. to get to. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Now. Would, now let's get into the game. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't good. Uh, it was it was Russ not getting it done. It was the receivers not helping him out. It was the pass protection not holding up. It was the play calling being poor. It was a little bit of everything. I wrote about it today, um, or I wrote about the day of the game. You know, what's wrong with the Seahawks offense? A little bit of everything. It wasn't like the game against Buffalo or the game against the Rams or the game against Arizona where it was the offense was clearly struggling because of number three. Right, number three is now a part of it. He is not the problem. I can't put all of this stuff on Russ, especially when he's throwing the ball to cats and it's hitting him in the hands, and then it's landing up in the hands of the defense. That ain't got nothing to do with Russ. I give a damn about anything else. If, I th- if your quarterback throws you the ball and hits your hands, it ends up in the defender's hands. That's your fault. Problem. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Do you get the sense that Carroll has intentionally slowed down the offense to help out the defense since they were historically bad? Do you think the Hawks will go back to the aggressive approach they had early on? Keep up the good work. Uh, no. Pete definitely wouldn't be like, hey, slow it down, our defense stinks. Uh, no. That's 100% not happening. I can guarantee that. Um, and I don't think the Seahawks have gotten less aggressive. I do think the aggression is still there. The execution is not there. Like, I think even in terms of the play calling today, they were pretty pass-heavy uh, compared to the run. Even in, like, the neutral game situations, neutral meaning, like, it wasn't out of hand. They forced to throw like they were in the, in the final couple drives. Yeah, like, on the on the early downs, I'm pretty sure they were calling more pass plays than run plays. The problem was it just wasn't working. Let's see, what's the breakdown? Yeah, early, so on first and second down, they called 43 runs against 13 passes. And for the game, 56 pass plays, 16 runs. No, they're being aggressive. It's fine. It just wasn't working. Um, but the, the mindset was fine i thought what else we got what offensive fundamentals are missing um okay well i'll isolate one catching the damn ball man look i think tyler we agree that tyler's second play uh, was a drop the one it's on the final drive he, he gets the ball in his hands and jabril preppers comes and wipes him out drops it right drop that's the second drop of the game tyler i believe has nine drops this year uh tyler his first what four years or whatever five years however long he's been in the league has eight drops total yeah catch the ball dk dk had a drop today so what's that eight for dk on the year man i think dk has like 14 drops no i think he has he had what he has seven seven last year eight this year 15 so like 15 drops in what 28 games or something like that like come on man you kids can't you, you got you got catch the ball. Um, Chris Carson drop. I think Will Disley even had a drop today. Like Chris Carson had two drops. That uh, you want to talk about fundamentals? Again, if it hits you in the hands, you should catch it. Very simple principle. Catch it. Chris Carson touchdown today. Ball hit him in the hands. Caught it. Touchdown. Boom. Simple. 
I think that's the, the main thing. When they're watching the tape, they'll probably look back and be like, hey, yo. Russ probably like, hey, I'm messing up, but y'all got to catch the damn ball. Like, if I hit you in the hands, you got to catch it. Why can't the Seahawks have nice things? Keep killing it, fellas. <laughs> they got Jamal Adams. He's nice. <laughs> Jamal has seven and a half sacks in eight games. That boy is nice. He ain't perfect. He nice, though. Like, he should be probably an all-pro again. I'm going to zig and zag here a bit. Is your job easier or tougher after this kind of loss? Are you guys willing to give the goods, or is it short answers? Keep killing it. Um, The length of the answers after um, losses like this is irrelevant. It's more about the insight that guys are willing to provide. I think I've explained this on the show before. When things are going well, it's a lot guys are more willing to go into detail about things whether to hype up another teammate or talk about the details of a play because the play worked right you don't want to talk about the details of a play that didn't work because more teams are just going to run that against you right whether on offense or defense or whatever so like when you get that's why people hate covering losing teams right because no one ever wants to explain what's going on like you get a coverage bus or some like i imagine it probably stinks covering the jets right because there's so many bad things going wrong every week it's just like you guys don't want to throw each other under the bus. You don't want to throw your coaches under the bus, unless it's Greg Williams. I read that they're throwing him under the bus, um, as they should. Um, but it, that's where it gets difficult. It doesn't matter how long or short your answer is. Right? It, you just need to re- – what are you willing to reveal? So to that part of the question, like, are guys willing to give up the goods? No. <laughs> Not really. Um, because in this sport, accountability is really important. And, you know, what you say to the press definitely gets back to the locker room. So for us was to get out there and be like, yo, man, I'm out here throwing it and it's hitting cats in the hands. Even if that is true, he can't say that. You can't say that. That's how you get punched in the face. Ask Geno Smith. Um, that's I shouldn't have took that shot at Geno, but whatever. Um, that you, you just can't say that, right? Even if it's true. Like, even if, like, a play call was dumb, right? Let's say the play call to David Moore on the pop pass. I guess the Eagles on fourth and short. Say that was stupid. Russ can't come out there and be like, Shotty's tripping up there, man, up in that box eating cookies. Even if that's true, he can't say it. And so when you when when things aren't going well, you can't throw guys under the bus. So all you can do is talk about your own performance, right? Which is helpful for Russ if he's playing poorly, right? Because we get some more insight into his brain. Now, his pressure was 20 minutes today. Gave some pretty long, thoughtful answers, right? But what if the problem ain't Russ? Right? What if the problem's let's say the problem is Dwayne Brown or something? It's not. I'm just for example. What's Russ gonna say? Dwayne stinks? No, he can't. He can't do that. Same thing on defense. You know, Bobby playing well. Defense giving up 400 yards. What Bobby supposed to say? You know, 29 can't cover. We supposed to say, oh man, Jay Reed's slow. No, he's not gonna say those things. So that part of it does make the job a little bit harder because it's not about the length of the answers. Guys just won't go into detail when things are going bad because they don't want to throw anybody under the bus, right? Which I can understand because. That's going to cause more problems than it'll, it'll fix, right? If you're just throwing people under the bus publicly, go in the locker room, that's how you get people fighting and quitting and subbing each other on Instagram and all this other stuff that doesn't really foster winning. Have the Seahawks finally broken Russell Wilson? No, man, Russ is not broken. So Russ can have, like, bad stretches or whatever, which is he's not having a great stretch right now. He's not. His overall numbers from the last, like, few weeks aren't super great, though I would say he played well against Arizona on Thursday night. A broken quarterback is like Carson Wentz. I saw today he got benched. Or did he get hurt? I couldn't tell you, man. Yeah, I saw I saw Jalen Hurts throw a touchdown. So I was like, okay, Carson probably, About got, time. probably got benched. Like, that's a broken quarterback, right? Like, everyone Cleveland has had other than Baker. 
broken quarterbacks. And Baker, too, might be damn freaking broken for all, for all we know. I know they put up a lot of points today, but y'all catch my drift. Those are broken players. Russ ain't broken. He's just not seeing the field very well. And sometimes that happens. He's he's traditionally struggled against like cover two looks like he was getting today. And we'll get I think someone has a question about that that we'll go a little bit more into. But nah, he's not he not broken. There's been some broken quarterbacks you guys have seen. This this is not one of them. Does Tyler Lockett just not exist in the offense anymore? Rarely do I call out anyone for a bad question, but who who was that? Who asked that? Max Buckley. Max Max, come on man. Look at the look at the box score. Chris, who led, the, who led the team in targets today? That would be Tyler with nine. Okay, so of course he exists, man. He got he led the team in targets. Is that enough targets? I don't know. But, I mean, come on. Yes, he exists. He's also got to catch the damn ball. <laughs> two drop, You got to catch the ball, man. That's just the simplest. Russ can only really work if his receivers are efficient. That's for That part is letting him down. Is Shoddy making in-game adjustments? Yeah, for sure. Shoddy's always... It's uh, it's not... How can I explain this without going into too much detail? Confusing folks because they can't see what I'm saying. Um, Let's see. Yes, Shoddy does. But it's like little stuff. It's little adjustments. Like you could even see it kind of in the second half. There were some quicker uh, things. There were... You guys couldn't see them on TV. There were developing routes that Russ could have hit, you know, deep. He just was, was missing it. I mean, so you guys even saw some of them. You could see some of them on the TV, right, Chris? They were doing the replays where it's like, this guy's open. Russ ain't seeing it. Um, no, Shoddy definitely adjusts pretty well in-game. Like, he's not super fantastic, you know, uh, in-game guy, I wouldn't say. Uh, but, no, he, he makes adjustments. They were able to move the ball uh, eventually. I just think that some of the execution was not great, and no coordinator can really overcome poor execution. Right, and I think a lot of people think this answer to everything is just like dinking and dunking it. Like, oh, we can't move the ball. Why don't we just dink it over the? It's like you can't just do that up and down the field. You can't, right? Like, I know it may seem like the Patriots. That's all they were doing with Tom Brady. No, it's not how that works. Uh, unless you have Gronk, and then then you can do stuff like that. But even then, they had Gronk. Um, so no, I don't think that's the answer. Uh, but I do think Shadi does make in-game adjustments, whether it's kind of how to beat you know certain coverages or how to help Russ out on the blitz. Um, you can see a little bit of that in the Arizona game that they won as well. So now Russ Shadi's doing that part. There's another part he's not doing that we'll get to. But no, the in-game stuff I think he's handling fairly well. Is Russ over reliant on DK forcing to throw into traffic, holding on the football too long? He's not the same quarterback from weeks one through five. Can he get it back? Much love from Germany. Hey, shout out to the homies in Germany. Uh, is he over-reliant on DK? I, I don't think so. Um, I do think D, uh, DK is probably the best at getting open, but no, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think he's spreading it around pretty decent because what, DK had what, eight targets? Tyler had nine. Uh, what was it Chris Carson had six? Will Disley, five. Hollister, four. Um, no, I, th I think... I think I don't think it's like a force feed DK thing. I think DK should be more involved. Like DJ, DK should have double digit targets every game. I think that's just as simple as. But I don't I don't think so. The offense can be good without DK, you know, getting force fed. Look at the Cardinals game; they lost. Would Tyler have twenty targets? Fifteen catches, two hundred. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> every game won't be that. But I I don't think that it's like oh this is a one man show and Russ is just can only be good if DK's good. I don't I don't think that's the case. He's got other weapons. Chris Carson's good. Disley's good. Lockett's fine. I also just named dudes who dropped the ball today. <laughs> Does Russell Wilson have the yips? 
Man, Russ is broken. He's got the yips. What else going on here? Does he, does he got Does he got the vid? Oh, <laughs> he got the vid nineteen too. <laughs> yeah, no, I should, should knock on some wood or something like that. Uh, no, man, Russell. Here's the thing about Russ. He's not actually inaccurate right now. That's the weirdest thing about this. Like, I think the placement on some, on even the balls that are getting intercepted, um, the placement is like fine. It's like, the drops are hurting. Drops mean you're throwing it accurately. It's not a lot of balls that are sailing on him. He's not throwing a bunch in the dirt. Um, he's not throwing behind guys. It, the accuracy is there. That's what's really troubling about um, some of this stuff because it's the decision making, right? Because that's where that's where he's usually sharp too, and he's just not right now. Decision making is not great. You know, like I give you an example of someone who has the yips. Carson Wentz has the freaking yips. <laughs> that boy has the yips. That's why he just got benched. That's that's bad. Um, for NBA fans, actually Seattle fans, like Markel Fultz, uh, former Husky guard, and killed it as a freshman at UW, got to the league and forgot how to shoot. Right? Like, yips. Those are yips. Um, I don't think Russ has that. Physically, Russ is placing it pretty well. He had, what, two turnover-worthy plays today? The one that hit the man in the face. Um, and then uh, one that, Jan- that Bradbury probably should have caught. Um, that was one that... Oh, the interception, yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't. Almost all the interceptions. Yeah, wasn't it? He had two almost interceptions, yeah. So, nah, Russ, accuracy-wise, is there. It's the processing information part that's not there. What is needed to turn around this stalling offense? Wow, we do have a lot of offensive questions today. Um, Here's what they need, right? I think they need to fix a lot of things, but the one major thing, I think, is the third downs and fourth downs. They went three of... 13, uh, 4 of 13, 4 of 12 today. 4 of 13 on third down, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Terrible. So, the last two games, I think they're like a combined like 6 of 23, I think, on third down. Disgusting. And, and like 0 of 4 on th- fourth down, I believe. Um, so, you got to fix those things. I could go through each third down and find something, but like when you're that bad at it, it's a little bit of everything. It's your quarterback, it's the play calls, it's the protection, it's the receivers, it's a little bit of everything. Um, specifically on fourth down, though, I think that's that's where it's mostly play calling right let's let's take a look at the three non fourth and 18 calls because that's just whatever right like you just fourth and 18 you just call everyone go to the sticks and turn around (laughs) for the most part it's not that complicated let's go back to the eagles game though pop pass to david moore dk is blocking a defensive end on that play what the hell the other fourth down dk is basically the decoy rub route guy to get tyler lockett open throwing to tyler is not stupid. That's fine. A play call designed for him, sure. One where DK just basically runs a dummy route, I don't like. Um, let's see. What's the other one? There was one today. Oh, play action rollout, fourth and one. You roll it away from DK's side. That's three fourth down calls, right? In a row, actually. Three in a row where you don't even have DK as an option to catch the ball. What the hell? Fix that. Start there. Like, I think situational football really matters a lot. When you're that bad on third and fourth downs, that'll basically fix a a lot of your problems, I think. Um, You can't avoid third downs entirely, but you can build an offense around trying to at least. Uh, But I think they've been decent on early downs. These third downs, man, you just can't. You can't afford to do that at all. Um, But, yeah, I think the fourth downs where you're not even giving DK a chance. Like, why the hell is he blocking anybody? (laughs) Should be going for a pass. Yeah. Go, go get open. Why are you Especially rolling? Especially if you're going to pass it, right? Yeah. yeah. Why are you? Because I think uh, 
Pete got asked questions about uh, why aren't they running it to Chris Carson? I don't really oh, play yeah, that. Greg Bell. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fine question by Greg. That's I don't care. Um, but soft. For, yeah, that was that was, <laughs> that was brutal. I don't <laughs> care. Really. I don't think running the ball makes you tough. Whatever. Um, hell, DK caught that ball and stiff armed the dude into the turf. That's tough as hell to me, right? So whatever. Um, but I I don't think the throwing it is fine is bad. I think Pete even said today one of the ball in Russ hands. Cool. I am always cool with that. It's fine. But you got to give, if you're going to put the ball in Russ's hands, help him out. Give him DK to throw to. You don't have to throw every fourth down to DK, but plays where he's blocking and basically setting screens and on the other side of the field, what the hell are you doing? That is stupid. I bet you Shadi's probably going to look at some of these fourth down plays and realize, why the hell aren't we putting number 14 in the play? Like, they're not even putting him in a place where he could pull attention away and then open it up for someone else. That fourth down today was on the other side of the field. I have that right, right? Like he was on the right side, and they rolled it to Russ's left. I'm pretty sure that's what happened today. Come on, man. What are you doing? So I think that's one way to fix the offense is be better in situations. Situational football is like how they like to say. Has anyone ever straight up asked Pete, why do you let your teams always play down to your competition? No, we've never asked that. Man, you know how it's getting so bad over here in Seattle that people are mad at us. We're not basically calling out Pete. Um, as if I'm the, not critical of Pete anyway. Um, but that's another discussion. Maybe we get to that at the end of the show. But no, no one's ever asked Pete that. Because you're not going to... Pete disagrees with that notion. I know he does, right? Because think about th- think about what you're asking us to ask him, right? Pete, how come you play well against uh, teams that are better than you and you play down to teams that are worse than you? Pete doesn't think that the other teams are better or worse. He respects every team, goes into it with a plan, Right and doesn't think they ever play down, right? So, sure, I might just ask that just for the hell of it one of these days to see like what answer I get. But I think it's just a waste of time. He disagrees with the notion. Um, he's not gonna agree. He's like, yeah, Mike, I don't know why we do that. Yeah, no, we got we gotta start beating the crap out of teams that suck. No, he's not gonna do that. Right? He's not gonna. He's basically not gonna give you that answer. Maybe I could ask him off the record or something like that. But in these public settings, that's just not what it's ever going to be. It's not going to elicit the response you think it's going to. On a side note, I disagree with the fact that it has to do with the quality of opponent. They used to smoke teams all the time, Chris. Didn't they put like 50 points on like the Cardinals one time? Put like 50 points on another team? They used to smoke teams. No one ever said I'll play up or play down, right? Because they used to beat the snot. At a, at, a, at a good teams too. They won the Super Bowl by 30. <laughs> it's, it's tough to do. <laughs> Like, come on, man. Like, they, they play just fine uh, for the most part. The the difference is they're just not that as good as they once were. People keep asking me about people uh, Russ's primetime record and how the Seahawks are good in primetime. I don't think it matters. When you have a good team, you're going to be good all the time. They're like, oh, do the Seahawks win a lot because of home field? Well, they just also just win a lot, right, no matter where they play. Um, so I don't, I, I, don't, I don't buy into the fact that they play up or down. I do think that Pete's philosophy lends itself to close games. But I don't think that necessarily is playing up or down, if that makes sense. How bad are the Rams going to beat the Seahawks? They probably won't. <laughs> probably won't. This team is going to end up beating the Rams. It's something weird like that. Just watch. Can we ask Pete to give Shadi back the playbook from the first four weeks? <laughs> man, it, man, there's some funny stuff in these questions, man. I will say this to that question, because obviously it's not like super serious. But in general... Scoring tends to drop in the second half of the seasons league-wide because teams just catch up. 
right? Like coordinators get more tape, tendencies are revealed, and things change, right? I think like if you look at scoring averages league-wide over the last like 10 years, in September versus December, I'm pretty sure the September months are a lot higher scoring, right? Teams just catch up. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs are a little bit of a cheat code, but what do they put up today? Chris, like 20-something? Uh, what, the Chiefs won 22 to 16, right? Like you would expect them to smoke with the Broncos. Didn't the Broncos just give up like 30 points to Taysom Hill? Yeah, I'm pretty, so it, things change, right? People catch up, right? The, the Chiefs are a good example from that 2018 season. They were lighting it up, came in here and lost to the Seahawks. Right? That's just how it goes sometimes. So I don't think it's a matter of like they stopped doing things that were working. I think teams adjusted. Does that mean they should be poop on offense? No. But I don't think it's as simple as like, oh, let's just do what we were doing in week three. Well, it's week 13 now. Like, defenses aren't stupid. They're going to start catching up and finding out what you're good at, what your tendencies are, and they're going to try to exploit it. And the Giants did a good job. Does it seem like we are always going against the play clock? No. No, I don't know. Who asked that? Where's that coming from? Peter. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I could go look, but no, I don't think they're in a rush. You could tell when teams are in a rush like that. You'd get more delayed game calls, I think, when teams are in a rush. I don't think that's the case. Will Seattle cover against the Jets? Is there a line on that already? Pretty you know, sure there is. You could look that up. I, I don't really care. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. I, I swear, it's bad. What are the Seahawks against the spread this year? It's probably not good. They're probably not covering spreads very well at all. Like, even when it was 11, I was just talking to the homie yesterday. Like, they're probably not going to cover that. Like, this is a dangerous line. Uh, even though I know I picked them, too, but, like, I wouldn't have bet on it. So, no, they probably won't cover against the Jets. It'll probably be double digits, though. Oh, the line is minus 13 and a half. Oh, I ain't covering that. They ain't covering that. Don't, don't bet. Never gamble, guys. Don't bet on that. It appears as if our offense seems to struggle a lot when the other team goes cover two and takes away our deep shots. Why are the Seahawks unable to capitalize on the vacancies in the middle of the field when our deep balls are taken away? Um, good question. Cover two is hard to beat because you need time. That's why a lot of teams play because it's safe and it does protect you against a deep ball. But the middle of the field is not necessarily open in cover two. Um, it actually is the thing that's not, right, if you're playing it right. So I don't, I don't think it's as simple as, like I said earlier, everyone thinks, like, the answer to not being able to go deep is just, like, dink and dunk it to Disley and Hollister over the middle until you go down the field. No, it's not. It's really just not that simple. You do need those explosive plays to get down the field. I mean, the cover two ain't just going to get invented this morning. Like, teams have been beating it deep, but I do think you need time. Um, you need the right play designs. You need vertical threats. There has to be things that are working. But, yeah, no, Russ, Russ definitely has struggled against it, and usually the run game works against it really well. I think it's mostly about discipline. It's about anticipation on throws. That's where Russ, I think, is struggling a little bit. But I think a really good example of, you know, one today, he had a really good throw. The one that DK dropped, actually. I'm pretty Perfect. sure it was against on cover point. two. Yep, he was good anticipation. He saw the post coming um, from DK. Um, is that a post that he ran? Yeah, yeah. He has a post over the middle. You right. Yeah, he ran a post. Believe, your, believe in yourself, Mike. I, I haven't watched the replay of the game yet, I so sometimes it. be unsure. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was a post. Um, and... When you look at when Russ throws it, it looks like he's throwing it directly at the safety. But he knows DK is going to undercut it, go up and get it, right? Great play. But you got to have those types. Man, or a great throw. Or you have back shoulder throws that are like <laughs> right in between. Like where are you trying to hit Freddie Swain on? On the one that was almost a pick. Yeah. Uh, the safety, the uh, corner passed Freddie off. Um, safety head was a little further away, so Russ was trying to squeeze it in there. Should have been like a back shoulder throw. Russ sailed that one a little bit. That was probably one of the worst throws of the game. It wasn't too bad, though. I mean, it was like a second bad throw of like 
40 attempts. Not bad. Um, but you just need those type of designs. And you need time, too. So, I mean, playing with your fourth string right tackle, hell, playing with your third string right tackle um, doesn't help uh, as well. So I think that was that was part of it. But no, nah, they definitely use the middle of the field well. They hit the intermediate stuff. I don't know why anyone thinks uh, Russ can't hit intermediate stuff. Or when he's playing well, it's like, oh, it's just short, short, short. It's not how it works. Teams know that. They defend it. Especially when you play zone. Uh, the defenders are all right there waiting for you to throw a short. Pick that joint off and run the other way. Um, so I, I think the cover two stuff, we could do like a whole show on why it really works well against against Russ. Probably because he hasn't had great pass protection, and you need time uh, to get some of those longer developing routes. Um, yeah, no, that's a good question, though. I think it's going to continue, by the way, too. Teams are going to continue to do cover twos and fours and stuff like that and force them to have to run it, take away the deep balls at DK. Um, you got to adjust. I think the offense isn't created enough. What do you think? Is it possible Shotty keeps going with the deep passes too much since defenders are taking it away, which maybe leads to sacks? Uh no, no I I don't think so. I don't. That's a man. I think the offense is creative. Um, I don't think they should do like fancy stuff that people usually associate with create like like end rounds and other other weird stuff. You can get creative with like regular old play designs and structures and route trees and stuff like that and where you line guys up and what you use to beat certain things. Uh, like there's ways to beat cover too and stuff like that. But you always need people going deep though. Like Chris, when we play flag football, I'm always talking about it. Like, when we can't move the ball, I know flag is not the NFL, but follow me here, guys. It's like, the concept and principle. Yeah, when we're playing flag, I'm usually the guy who goes deep every play. All right? Not because I think I'm going to catch a bomb every play, because I ha you have to stretch the defense and make them respect it. And I think that's one of those things that's not really being executed well by the other guys. Like, I've seen plays where DK's taking two guys deep. The Giants were basically bracketing and doubling him a lot of the game. What do you do? All right, cool. You use that. You use the attention he's getting to get other guys open. And I don't think that's happening quickly, you know, enough. Maybe that's the play designs. Maybe that's the guys just being slow, um, not beating the coverage. And then maybe that's Russ not anticipating throws. There's a lot that goes into that. Uh, but I don't think it's a lack of creativity uh, necessarily or going deep too much because you have to. Uh, you should have a vertical threat on basically every route. What on earth was Shoddy or Russ thinking with that de desperation heave on 4th and 18? There was no need to throw a jump ball. No, I don't think there was need to throw a jump ball, but I don't think Shoddy called it jump ball either. Like, again, it's 4th and 18. What do you tell everybody to do? Hey, man, run to the sticks and turn around. That's basically what it was. Honestly, that's exactly what Tyler Lockett did. From what I can tell, Russ could have hit Demo. Probably should have just went to Tyler. He had a guy in his face, but it's like it was a three-man rush, so I can buy some time. Um, so I think that was more—that was really just on Russ not seeing the field well. It's plays like that. I think the plays are a really good example of what happened today. Rush just wasn't seeing it. Timing wasn't there. Vision wasn't there. And just a whole bunch of just the guy with the ball not being great with it, indecisive. Why have the Seahawks' last five drafts gotten significantly worse than when this current staff first took over? Um, let's see. So what's their last five? 2020, 2019, 2018, 17, and 16. Okay. So 2016 draft, not good. Who's the best player of that? Jay Reed? Yeah. Jay Reed's yep. in that draft. I think he's the only person from that draft still on the team, so that's not great. Uh, 2017 draft. 2017 draft was okay. 
You get Chris Carson out of that. You get Shaquille Griffin. You get Shaq out of that. And Ethan. Get your starting center out of that eventually. Uh, but yeah, no, it wasn't like super good. They whiffed on that. Um, that's probably, let's see, 2018. They get Disley, Trey, mm. throwing a healthy Rasheem, Rashad Penny. Yeah, not great. Not great either. Uh, let's see, 2019. 2019, you got DK. DK. You got DK. <laughs> you got DK at 2019, man. That's just, you might have drafted a freaking Hall of Famer <laughs> in, in that draft. That's what, who else is in that draft, though? Ugo. He's playing pretty well. Uh, he's having yeah. a good bounce back Yeah, season. Ugo's okay. Was that fourth round pick? That's yeah. A, that's, a, that's decent value for Ugo's position. Marquise Blair, unfortunately, went down with the injury, but he he looked pretty promising. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Too too soon to tell. Uh, Marquise hasn't played enough snaps. He got LJ, but um, haven't seen much. That was, that. that's a whiff. Um. Yeah, no, not not great. I think the 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 real trouble has been just not not replenishing the defense. I think that's been the issue, and I think a lot goes into that. Like some of the position coaches that you have aren't developing as well. Um, the scouting's not as good. Um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into that. They've lost some of their personnel people uh, in the process. I think they lost one guy to the Colts, someone to Buffalo. Um, I think Jim Nagy was involved with some of their scouting as well, um, and now he runs the Senior Bowl. Um, there's been there's been some moves uh, that have that would explain some of it. But yeah, it's really the defensive side of the ball. They haven't been drafting well uh, lately, and I actually have a piece that I'm working on that's going a little bit more into into in, into detail on that. But that's a good question because I think that's kind of how we got to this point. Even though the defense is playing well now, they had to dump a bunch of assets to do it. Like how many picks have they traded for? Uh, on defense, gave up three for Jamal, basically, um, gave it one for Quandre, one for Quentin Dunbar. Um, that's a lot of assets to give up to fix your defense. Gave up another for Carlos Dunlap. I was about to say, yeah, Dunlap. That's a lot of when you could just draft those type of players uh, as well. They just haven't. Does it seem like Russ is holding the ball more than usual? Seems like he's worried about interceptions that hurt earlier this season and taking less shots downfield. No, I don't think he's that second part. No. The first part, yeah, he's he's always held on to the ball too long. His whole career, literally. Um, quarterback hits are very much a product of how long the quarterback holds on to the ball, right? And it makes sense. He's got the ball, <laughs> right? He determines when he gets rid of it. I think you look at the, you see the same thing in, like, Houston. Deshaun Watson takes a ton of hits. Not because his O-line stink. Do they stink? Yes. But that's not the reason. The reason is he's holding on to the ball. Right? Andrew Luck was the same way. Right? Held on to the ball a lot destroyed in the pocket ended up quitting football like age 30 um so yeah no russ is definitely holding on to it uh long he always has though to like to be fair that's why he takes so many hits he's probably gonna lead the league in sacks this year um sacks taken that is because and part of that is him if chris carson is averaging five yards a pop why not stick with it the offense has shown up so differently the last few weeks mm, good question i think part of the reason chris had the success um, is because of that cover two look we're talking about. Because your safeties are out of the, you're taking a defender out of the box, um, and so it opens up the run lanes. But I think Carson's efficiency is tied to the the threat of the pass. You know they're using the pass to set up the run. All right, that's why those those lanes are there. I mean, eventually what they were down with 14 to five in the fourth quarter or 17 to five in the fourth quarter and just had to just throw. Um, but I, I do think that leaning on run, like they should be throwing more than they're passing. I guess is the short answer to that. Chris, it's good that he's efficient, but what he had, 13 carries? Yeah. 13 carries with a couple catches. Three catches. About five. 16 touches in total. Five targets. Yep. Total, so what's that? 
16 touches. You know I hate catch, counting on air. 16, 16 touches total, five targets. So you got, what, 18 plays designed that are that go to Chris's direction? I think that's fine. I think 18 of your whatever, how many plays they ran going at Chris Carson, that's a, a decent number. Maybe you can get that in the 20s, um, but I don't think it has to be there. Something I noticed watching the game and some things in the, saw some things on the tweet machine was about the Seahawks' complete lack of yards after catch receivers. Do you agree that they don't have one? And if so, how does that affect their offense? Man, that's a good question. Who asked that one? Taylor Fowers. Taylor, that's a good question. Um, I've actually had this complaint about the offense for years now. It re- They do such a bad job. And I don't know if that's the receivers coach, if that's Pete, if that's... Um, shoddy. I just think it's probably everyone, but this offense has a type of guys who you should be able to scheme up stuff like a Shanahan does, or like you know, Andy Reid does, or a Sean McVay, and that you scheme up stuff. Look at the yak that those guys, their quarterbacks, get helped with. That's basically how Jimmy G got the to, to team to the damn Super Bowl because Debo Samuel and Gr- and George Kittle are just yak monsters and just are they get schemed up into plays where they catch the ball and then can run however many extra yards down the field. I think the Rams are very similar. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I mean, Seahawks fans know. Y'all see Robert Woods just running with the ball? Like, y'all know how it is. Um, I think the Chiefs, again, are another team. There's probably other teams who do it well, but those are the three that that stand out uh, to me. I think that's a big issue. I think that's been an issue for years. I think there's an issue with Bevel, too. So maybe it's a Pete thing. I'm not sure. But this offense definitely could use more plays that, like, scheme up yak opportunities because we've seen dk dk put bradbury is that his name bradbury james bradbury yes put bradbury's face in the lumen field turf today viciously it looked like that hurt right he he can do that david moore is a kick returner and a punt returner he can make people miss right freddie swain also uh, a returner can make people miss tyler lockett's not like super make people miss type of guy but he can run past dudes right if he got the angles so i do think that's a big um, issue with this this offense and it has been for years I think that's one thing what did I say the other thing was situational football yes that's step one step two I think is that is getting scheming more yak naturally into the the, the play designs I think that's really really lacking would it be fair you also said they got to catch the ball but that's neither here nor yeah, there. yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> separate than this like in terms of what shoddy can do shoddy can't catch it for him but yeah. what he can do is scheme up you know more yak that's a great question by Taylor the Giants were supposed to have a good defense, but the Seahawks had a top offense going into the game. Not only can't they score 30 points, they're struggling to score 25. Please help explain. Well, I thought we had been. Really. Well, okay. One one more thing. Um, I think I don't think they're exploiting teams' aggressiveness enough. Like, if you notice, someone asked me this on Twitter, too, during the game. It was like, how come when we get blitzed, Russ ain't got nowhere to go, but when we blitz... Um, they have a beater for it. Now, I don't think that's entirely true. Like, teams don't have an answer for Jamal for the most part. Um, but I don't think that – I think Shadi and Russ and Pete are getting outcoached a little bit on some situations where teams are being aggressive and they're not beating it as well as they should. They do sometimes, though. I think Shadi did a good job of that after the Buffalo game of helping Russ out a little bit. But in general – I do think that's that definitely is a problem. They got to see the, the, the disguises and the stuff ahead of time and know how to beat it. If the Seahawks don't make it to the Super Bowl, was Jamal a waste of resources given the contract he will command? 
the Hawks are significantly hamstrung in draft resources due to the Jamal Adams trade. Mm, I wouldn't say what is it, what was the wording on that? A uh, waste? Correct. I don't. I wouldn't say it was a waste or a failure. I think it was a it was still a good move because Jamal raises the ceiling. He's the reason you have a Super Bowl ceiling. Let's be honest here. If they were rolling out Quandre B Mac, B Mac on IR? He's on IR now. Yes. yes. Um. But anyway, health. So you got a healthy B Mac, Quandre, healthy uh, Quentin. Are we assuming they get Car- Carlos? So I mean. I guess that's still a Super Bowl-ish team. Yeah, that probably is, but like Jamal, I think puts you over like really, really, really like you should get, like you should get there. Um, so I wouldn't call it a waste because I think that was a necessary type of move. They needed a player like that. Like, look at the difference he makes, man. The defense is playing really well when he's since he's been back. Like I, I, I think I, I still like the move even if they don't win the Super Bowl. Why can't the offense and defense both perform on the same night? Haven't seen it since Super Bowl forty-eight. Jesus, Super Bowl Forty Eight. What year was that? Twenty Thirteen. That's 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 a little harsh. Um, let's see. I think how many games have they done that too? Why does everyone act like that Thursday night game against Arizona just didn't happen? I thought the defense played well that night and the offense played well that night and they beat a good team. I well, told you off wax. Seahawks lose a game and they you know it's they just forget things happen. You you just forget and you want to come out with all the bad and that's a little example right there of forgetting what just happened a few weeks ago on Thursday night where both offense and defense performed pretty well. Yeah, no, it's, I get the, I get where they're going with that, but it's like the Thursday night game just happened. I was like, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Like, no, they, I thought they played, they, they, they played complimentary football, quote unquote, in that game. Why it can't be sustainable, I'm not sure entirely, um, but I think it's coming. Like, for all this doom and gloom about the offense, I think it will turn around. I think Russ will start playing better. And all offensive worries can be this. I mean this literally. They can all be fixed if your quarterback starts playing better. Why? Why do we suffer through the same story arc every season? I don't think it's the same every season. Though I do think, this is not necessarily to this question specifically, but I do think the Seahawks are still considered a team that, like, heats up down the stretch, um, which is just not true. Uh, their Decembers have not been great. I think they had a good December in 2018, but in 2017, I think they were like two and three in the month of December. I think last year they were like two and three in the month of December with back-to-back home losses to close out the regular season. Um, I don't think that's another one of those myths that got created from the Legion of Boom years. Like, oh, the Seahawks turn it around late in the season. No, they were just really good. Right? They, all of their months were relatively good when they had Legion of Boom. Right? They were, they won in September. They won in October, November, and December. Um, this team, not as good, or at least hasn't been in recent years. That's why the final month of the season ain't been great. So um, I think I don't think that's a, a thing that we should still be running with as a narrative. But I don't think every season has been the same in that way. Some of it has, in that Russ always puts up a stinker or two uh, every year. Um, they usually have some type of embarrassing home loss. That part... Um, is true. I think I don't think there's anything you can explain that with, though, other than maybe having the same coach. Maybe. What are you gonna do? Fire Pete? No. <laughs> Hope not. Are all the fans wrong that Russ is indecisive and refuses to throw to a mid-level pass? To say I don't know a tight end. I mean, damn. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why everyone thinks the answer to everything is just dump it to your tight ends. Like that's just not. You're not gonna win the Super Bowl like that. You damn sure ain't. I mean, I'm, and it's it's happening. What? How many targets does he have? Five? 
four or five. And then Hollister, like, that's like nine targets, I think, right there between your tight ends. And then Chris, Car all of Chris Carson's targets were basically like that, except for the deep ball. That's basically like the dump off stuff. I mean, it's there. You also remember guys like the defense knows those are coming too, right? And those are actually easier to cover up because they happen so close to the to the line of scrimmage. So no, I would say Russ is being a little. He's being indecisive for sure. Like that part, I don't disagree with. But the idea that like he's not hitting intermediate throws. I mean, what do you throw for two sixty today? It wasn't all on deep balls. <laughs> like he's he's clearly hitting some like underneath stuff. Defend Pete Carroll's job without using nebulous, vague, intangibles. Since they hit the lottery with the Legion of Boom drafts, this looks like a mediocre team propped up wins-wise by an elite but streaky quarterback. What was the first part of that? Defend Pete Carroll's job without using nebulous, vague, intangibles. Thank you for that vocab word. Nebulous. It's a good word. Defend Pete Carroll's job without cliches. Do win totals count? Playoff appearances? No. Here's the thing. I get where... I get where my man is going with this. Uh, basically, he's doing what a lot of people do is they like to um, pretend as if Pete did nothing right, to get the team where it's at. Like, drafted a Legion of Boom, got lucky, right? You're going to win games because you have a quarterback, right? How much did you, you know, do on that? Um, I don't, I think that's unfair to Pete. Being critical of Pete is fine. Pretending that just like anyone who, any coach could have come in here in 2010 and done what he's done in the last decade. It's just, it's just stupid. It's stupid. Pete's not perfect. Pete has a, Pete plays a huge role in why this team was successful in a decade. Like, he is in charge of personnel too, so that matters. So all those guys that they drafted, yes, he signs on. Uh, Russell is included in that. Like I just asked Pete about Russell's combine meeting. Pete was blown away. They drafted Russ. <laughs> DK, blown away by DK. They drafted DK. Like so, Pete. It's not even just like, if you don't want me to talk about the culture and all that, okay, whatever, fine. I won't use that That if that counts as nebulous. But like even just from a personnel standpoint, all the good players that you guys like on the Seahawks that they've ever had in the last decade, Pete had a hand in bringing them in. Right, like that's Maybe he wasn't the sole reason. Obviously, John Snyder and Matt Thomas do their part too. But hello, he's in charge of personnel. They've had good players. That's Pete. And I don't think we can ignore... The culture part of it. I know that probably falls into the nebulous category, but look at it this way, right? Look at all the teams that have been bad since 2010 when Pete took over. Look at what they all have in common. In like 80% of those cases, it's the front office. It's the person managing it. Um, and it's not just the front office, excuse me. It's the people in management positions that includes your head coach. Your head coach manages your team. When the culture falls apart, when people quit on the coach, hey, look what's happening with the Chargers. They got talent. You know what's going on? They don't quit on Anthony Lynn. He about to get the boot. Look at the Lions. They've had talent. They stink. Matt Patricia didn't know what the hell he was doing. Adam Gase in New York. Like, there's tons of teams. That you can just look. Jacksonville, the whole thing, top down, terrible. Like, there's plenty of uh, examples you can look to. There's a reason Pete keeps outlasting all these guys. Hasn't every NFC uh, West team changed coaches since Pete's been here? Like, there's a reason that he's sticking around. And it's not just entirely because, oh, they have Russ, Mike. They're going to win nine games. That's part of it um, as well. But there's been plenty of teams with good quarterbacks, too, that also stink. Right? Like, that. you have those type of years. So, I mean, Matt Stafford's a guy who should win at least seven games with. And the Lions suck, right? So, um, I don't think it's fair to Pete to be like, ah, oh, he just got a Legion of Boom, got Russ. Anyone could do what he's doing with that. I think that's unfair. Can we ignore this one? What, this episode? Oh, the game? 
<laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't do that. I think the only game that they could really like ignore, ignore of like that I can remember since I've been covering the team is the forty-two to seven loss to the Rams in twenty seventeen. <laughs> that was one you gotta be like, we're not about to watch this tape. We're just gonna act like this game don't exist. Like if we can hit up Roger Goodell and be like, hey, bro, burn it. You can just burn that from the record books and everything. Call for Pro Football Reference, but hey, man, just asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just delete the column. Just like, hey, that that didn't happen. We had a second bye week. Something. Uh, that was COVID the, actually happened then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Whole think, team was out. I don't think that that game. There was no reason to have tell the truth Monday. That was a let's lie to each other Monday. <laughs> For real, let's just act like that didn't. That didn't happen. Other than that, no. Every they definitely gotta like look themselves in the eye. At least the receivers and Russ. At least look at each other and be like, what are we doing? You know how like a player when he has a bad game in basketball will go to the gym that in the middle of the night, put up shots, something like that. They need to be doing that. Resting to call DK, Tyler, everybody, but hey, meet in my backyard. I'm a I just bought some lights. We're about to throw. Yeah, give right DK now. some stick them too. Wake up. Everybody wake up. We here. Let's let's and bring Shotty too. Forget it. Unfortunately, this is our last question, but I really feel like another week or two of getting Shell and Dunlap healthy and getting flashback in there will give and need a kick in the pants. Is it strange? I'm not freaking out about this loss like I have other losses. Uh, is it strange? I don't know, who who asked that? This is from Brody. All right. Well, Brody, you in the minority there because everybody else is freaking out. <laughs> everybody else is freaking out. I will say this: I do think getting someone other than your third and fourth string right tackles should help as well because I do think that was a part that's getting overlooked a little bit by everyone including us is the fact that at the end of the game they had Chad Wheeler out there like I'm not trying to disrespect Chad but he's the fourth string tackle like that's that's bad right you're for you're the fourth string dude for a reason do I know the reason no I'm not O-line specialist but they know the reason and that's why they had you on the practice squad all right like that's that's just the fact even Jamarco Jones like this is his first ever start that he made today at right tackle like Come on. He probably shouldn't be out there. Right? Even Cedric Abui, like, he's a, a first-round pick that didn't pan out. He's your backup, and that didn't go well against Philly. So that part is kind of hard to overcome. So, yes, maybe if they get Brandon, that'll help a little bit um, with giving Russ some time. I lied. Last one. Always miss the opening for questions after the game. But what is it with the run plays on third and long? It's got to be the least effective play call I ever have seen teams do. And they do it all the time. I don't think they did that today. I have to go back and look. He's just saying in general, not oh, today. No, in general, it's very stupid. Um, For sure. Very, very dumb. I'm with you. If it's third and 30 or whatever, do something. Throw it up. Get a flag. I don't know. Get a roughing the passer call. Defensive holding. There's so many things that can gift you a first down. I'm with you. I don't think they did that today, though. To their credit, I think when it was third and long... They were giving it a shot to throw. Um, so I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they, they didn't do that today. Well, we want to thank everyone out there for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate it. As you can see, we went through all of them. I think there was probably like 30. Yeah, we no, that was a lot. Guys, well, so. everyone asked stuff that covered the game, too, so we didn't have to do too much uh, on that. So like, everyone watched the game, had good thoughts, except for whoever asked does Tyler not exist? Brother had nine targets today. <laughs> he definitely exists. They want to see touchdowns, Mike. They're used to they're used to all the good things that happen. They're not used to these ugly losses where, yes, Tyler was catching the ball. He had targets, but he wasn't in the end zone. That's where I think the disconnect is. He didn't score, and that's tough. Anything else you want to add before we shake, Mike? No, that was a lot. That was a lot. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate the love. Uh, we'll see y'all. It's, it's Jamal Adams Revenge Week coming up here. 
He gets the Jets. That should be fun. It will be fun. And, oh, yeah, Bradley's out on IR. Never mind. Yeah, we can't break. It's not the B-Mac revenge game, but uh, it's a George Fant revenge game. So we got That's that, true too. as well. We got revenge games on both sides. We'll catch y'all. We'll hopefully have Connor, who covers the Jets, uh, on the podcast this next week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.